Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hi, welcome to Parenting the Adlerian Way. I'm your host, Adlerian family counselor and parenting expert, Allison Schaefer. Each week, I answer your burning parenting questions to help reduce the stress of parenting one tip at a time. We'll explore Adlerian psychology together and learn methods of child guidance for raising a happy, confident, capable, resilient child. Hi, welcome back to the podcast. It's Allison, and I have another great guest to introduce you to today. We're going to be talking to Mike McDonald. He is the founder and CEO of Recess Guardians, which works to empower youth to lead through play. To date, they've worked with over 800 schools across Canada and have impacted over 500,000 youth. He was born and raised in Saskatoon and graduated from the University of Saskatchewan in 2010 with a Bachelor of Science in Kinesiology which just fun fact here, Mike, I actually graduated uh, University of Waterloo with a kin degree. So there you oh. go. We're kin- <laughs> kindred spirits. Ha ha ha. Uh, Mike has been recognized with m- numerous accolades over the years, which include CBC Saskatchewan's Future 40 Award uh, for Child and Youth Friendly Saskatoon's Children Champion Award and Red Cross Saskatchewan's Young Humanitarian of the Year Award. In the past, Mike has had the opportunity to speak at numerous conferences, which include Canada's 2067 Youth Summit in Toronto, as well as the International Physical Literacy Conference in Toronto. He believes strongly that all youth have the power to be leaders if given the right opportunity. Play can transform lives, and he is very passionate about bringing play back to the playgrounds across Canada and beyond. Mike, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. So you, you're going to have to connect the dots for me. What does a kin graduate student see or, or experience in the world that he thinks he's got to start a company to bring playback to, to the playgrounds of Canadian schools? How did this all happen? <laughs> oh, this is uh, a while ago. So uh, going right back to the beginning, between high school and university, my parents had a very kind of wild idea 
not to go to school for a year. So they made me stay away from school. They said, you have to work, you have to travel, but you're not going to go to school. And what I ended up seeing during that year, I ended up working at an inner city school in Saskatoon. And I didn't know this at the time, but they were actually canceling recess in a lot of these schools. And due to disciplinary issues, doing going back, teachers would have to deal with these instead of doing um, lesson plans. So they said, let's go down to one recess or let's go down to zero. And I don't know about you, but for me, it's hard for me to sit still for 45 minutes. I don't get how you can have kids sitting still for that long. So during my kinesiology degree uh, in the second year, I actually get, got it started with a volunteer program with college students stepping in after school, teaching games, and it just kind of steadily kind of kept going. I thought I might go the education route. I did, and I stuck to my guns and kept here. And then it just steadily kind of grown over the years. So tell us about uh, uh, what you've learned about the importance of play and why you're passionate about kids playing at recess. It sounds like, isn't that natural? Don't kids do that anyways? Why does it need facilitating? Yeah. So play is such a unique thing because we think when we grew up, hey, go out and play or go, we go kind of center kids out to play. And Kids don't necessarily, they're used to being stuck in front of a screen or always being told what to do. So when you put them in a situation where it's like they have free space, free time, they kind of like almost freeze and they're like, what do we do? What, like, what can we do right now? And it's, I don't get me wrong. I'm sad that I have this type of job because I wish it was the norm that kids were playing. But I think the biggest thing with play is you learn all these skills that you wouldn't necessarily learn in the classroom. You learn how to be social with one another. You learn how to do teamwork. You learn conflict resolution. You learn inclusion. You learn all these types of things through play that you wouldn't necessarily learn sitting in a desk listening to a teacher. And I think that we just need to really allow these kids, especially over the past couple of years, kids have gotten so stressed and their anxieties through the roof. We know that play is good for them and we just need to like start to open their eyes to it and allow them to play in a lot of different areas and a lot of, with a lot of different kids. And that's going to allow a lot of positive outcomes to come. Have you found during the pandemic uh, in your work that you're seeing this phenomena that uh, where kids are, you would think that they should be eager to want to get back to friendships and, and to social groups. But in fact, they're sort of saying that they're rusty and they're anxious and they're worried about socializing again. There's a he- there's a hesitancy to to get it going again. Have you seen that in your work? Absolutely. Kids are going back to school and especially some of these kids have maybe only had one year of actual in-person school and now they're going back to after a two-year hiatus. They're back, basically starting back at kindergarten when you see the kid walking in kind of nervous, not sure what to do. So if we can incorporate play there, if we can incorporate them just having fun, running with the ball, laughing, they're going to form those friendships, which are going to be really positive. But yeah, you're seeing this stress and anxiety. Like I do coach a little bit of, or it was coaching a little bit of younger age football. And you could see the kids, some kids didn't want to come close to the other one just because of the pandemic. And they were scared and they were told for a year to keep your distance, keep social distancing. And now that we're getting back to normal, it's interesting to see how some kids are totally fine with space can be right side by side and some need a little bit more space and we want to make sure we can incorporate all those kids so get, let's use some real tangible examples what are some of the games um that uh that were you're trying to to include in your repertoire are these games that kids hadn't hadn't heard about or old games that you and i grew up with that kind of you know 
uh, fell out of practice as new games came in? Or what are some examples of these recess games? Yeah, so we incorporate a little bit of everything. So what we do with the games when we go into the school or with their virtual program is we have games that should be able to be played by anyone of any ability. We really make sure that we're inclusive for all. And so one of the games is basically you stand around a circle and there's a person in the middle, they throw the ball and all the person on the outside has to do is clap, say their name and catch the ball. That's it. But the thing is, if you don't clap, if you don't say your name or you don't catch it, you're eliminated and you have to sit down. If they fake it at you and you clap out a turn, you have to sit down. And the nice thing about it is it allows kids to kind of be more vocal. You can kind of like trick them and then add maybe two claps and so forth, but the game goes pretty quickly. And then that's a very sedentary game, but more concentration, more mental. So maybe a kid who's more mentally able is excited for that type of game whereas a physical game is a game like animal kingdom where they have it's like british bulldog or octopus kids are lined up but they choose an animal in their head that they want to be and then the people in the middle ask them does your animal have four legs does it eat meat anything like that if it does you have to run if you get tagged you become a tree and it just keeps going like that but the nice thing is it's we have physical games we have mental games but they're all games that are going to allow kids to play a lot. But one thing we kind of focus on, which is interesting, is we do focus on winning and losing sometimes. Yeah, and say more about that. That's a big no. part of your core program that kids need to learn how to, how to be good winners and how to be good losers. Yeah, and the thing is, if we don't make a big deal out of it, I think it's a huge piece of it. So what we do is, yeah, you might get eliminated here, but the game's only going to go on for like another three or four minutes and then you're back up and playing. And you're kind of entertained by everything else going on. But we really focus on the piece that, hey, you might win this game, but you might lose the next couple. How would it feel if you win and you see the kids lose? Are you going to jump up and down and celebrate? You can have a little celebration. You got a little fun, but know what it's like to be a person who's sitting down as well. We also have some side games sometimes that we'll play, but we feel that by teaching at a young age, they're gaining that resiliency piece. Once they hit high school, once they hit university, if we're not teaching that at a younger age, they're going to go, what if they don't get a job? What if you see they put an application, they get a couple interviews, it gets turned down. Are they just going to shut down because they've never lost a day in their life? Or are they going to be like, hey, you know what? That was one job, basically one game, as we say on the playground. Why does that matter? Let's go and play again. Let's go and apply for a new job and just keep the ball rolling that way. So parents, you know, listen up when if you think that by allowing your kids to win every game that you're building up their ego, you're not <laughs> you're, you're not teaching them how to be a good loser. I, I really believe if you're playing, you know, whatever monopoly, a board game, a card game, go fish. If you really have the winning hand, you need to win. <laughs> you need okay. to win. That's OK. Exactly. And one thing we like to do, too, is usually to start off the game, we let them get a couple of rounds in where they're winning because we want them to really have a little success off the start. So they like it. So they enjoy it. And then that's when the elimination starts. But let them get comfortable in it, eliminate, and then you'll play it again a couple more times. So we really get them feeling good, comfortable. Then they might get eliminated, but then they're back playing and they know how to play better the next round. And you see how excited kids get and how after the first their second game we play, we typically play eight. Uh, they don't care about winning and losing. They're more excited just to, what's the next game? What are we going to do next type thing compared to, oh, I lost. This is, yeah, I, I can't go on anymore. 
And so how does the conflict resolution fit in? You said that's another skill that these games can can benefit children as a again, it looks like play from the outside, but there's all these hidden social skills that are being woven into these important games. Exactly. We make it a clear focus with our program. Once we're finished the programming, these kids are then instructed to go out. They'll have a schedule during the school day and they'll be the ones leading games at recess time. That's kind of their focus. That's what we're training them up on. And what we'll do with them is we'll talk to them about the idea about being as efficient with time as possible. So we talk with them about conflict resolution. We're like two kids. One kid might be like, I tagged you. The other kid's like, no, I, I didn't get tagged. Quick rock, paper, scissors, boom, you're done. You get like whoever wins, that person's like obviously gets the right to choose what they want. Yeah. And then the other person has to deal with it type thing. But we're really like, we talk to them about the whole idea of like conflict resolution, like make it quick. Of course, if it gets to like a physical or it gets very like verbal, they're supposed to call in a teacher. The teacher steps in, of course, but they're very good at kind of they're all about de-escalating the situations as much as a kid can do and just like talking them down and talking them to them like we talk to them as well. We really like to show these kids that they can be leaders in a lot of different ways. And one of the ways can be they can be the one who's using the calm voice, who's speaking to them, who's not escalating the situation. Talk to them about how this isn't that big of a deal. Rock, paper, scissors, and it's done. And let's get playing again. Yeah, well, hopefully the goal is, to, is to your point, is to play, you know, po- pointing out if the goal is to have fun, fun is let's get the game going as, back as soon as possible, as opposed to the fun is that I'm all superior in winning. But now we're all pouting and the game's ruined yeah. <laughs> to really get us the, the, the best outcome. What sort of ages are these these leaders that you're training? Are they are they leaders in, uh, leading their own peers or do you like take the grade six students and then have them lead the grade fours? Or how do you how do you find how do you pick the leaders and, and and who do they supervise? Yeah, so typically we go in the gray or in the age four to 12 range. We kind of, that's kind of our sweet spot right there. And what we like to do when we choose the leaders is we actually choose an entire class. And the reason we choose an entire class is a lot of times, as you would know, kids at a young age are deemed either be a leader or a follower. It's kind of what we do as a society. If someone's outspoken, oh, you're a leader. If you're more quiet, you're probably more of a follower. But kids obviously grow at a different and mature at a different rate. And sometimes these kids are so like inside themselves, they want to be a leader, but they've just never been given the opportunity. So by choosing a class that we work with, every kid in that class is able to potentially, or every kid is able to be a leader. And leadership just looks a little bit different to each of them. Once we finish the training with them, uh, for example, maybe four of them, it'll be they have Tuesday morning recess each week. So that Tuesday morning recess, they put on their like bib or put on like a bright shirt. They do an announcement on the intercom. Hey, we're going to play capture the flag on the soccer field at recess time. So they go out there. And they have everything set up. So the moment the bell rings, the kids know, hey, look for the kids in the bright shirts or look for the recess guardians leaders and they get the game going. What we also instruct them, if you see a kid walking by themselves, if you see two kids fighting, invite them in. Like this isn't just for you and your friends. You're going anywhere from grade kindergarten up until the oldest kids in the school. Let them play. Let them have fun. And what you see with a lot of these kids, I think it's a really powerful piece is these kids might be grade six, maybe grade seven. And a kindergarten kid comes in and they get right down to their level. 
And it doesn't matter how tough a kid is, how like kind of, yeah, thinks how highly they think of themselves. Once a kindergarten comes in, they bring that level down and they play to that kindergarten's level because they want them to succeed, which is a very cool thing to see. And so you're able to see these kids take a leadership role with all their peers and obviously adapt it depending on the age of the peer. You know, I, I love that because, you know, sometimes schools uh, segregate their playgrounds by by grades and they don't let the older grades play with the younger grades. And uh, and I, I agree. I think all kinds of great things from, you know, I don't know if you call it intergenerational when it's only a few grades, but there's a big difference between a kindergartner and a grade six. And they do have wonderful things to teach one another and they can play lovely side by side. So that's so wonderful that it's inclusive that way. Yeah, and we really we really try and empower our leaders to take whatever leadership role or ever leadership strategy they have. So at the end of our sessions, once like the half a day session, we get the kids separated into four groups and we talk to them about how they're going to teach these two games to younger kids. And we'll bring in a grade one or grade two class during this time. They have to think about who's going to be the spokesperson, the person instructing, the demonstrator, the person demonstrating things, the organizer, the person who's organizing things behind the scenes, and then a role model, the person who's obviously playing, setting a good example. And for both games, the leaders will switch, so they get a different role there. But what you see when we bring in the grade ones and separate them is the kids who are leading these games, the teachers always say, I've never heard that student talk in front of a group before, or I've never heard that student like take charge like that. And they're doing it because they feel passionate about the game. They feel passionate about play. And you also see how different leadership styles form. So some kids might be sitting down, some might be standing in a circle, some might be doing one-on-one, -on -one, but you see every kid sees leadership differently. And that's why when we put them into a box and say, this is how you have to be a leader, or this is how we're gonna teach you, it doesn't always work. And we gotta let those kids really find themselves and find how they wanna be a leader. And we really focus on that whole, let the kid be an individual piece. I, I just, I love all of this. I love all of this. So you started in Saskatchewan, but you've now, you've, you've spread to other provinces. This is, this is catching on. People are seeing the importance of this. You, you've got lots of schools who can say how revolutionary this has been to their students. Is it, is it everywhere in Canada now, or are there still places you need to reach? So we, we haven't reached any of the territories yet. So we've been, but we're in every province now, which is amazing. And we've heard great examples. We've been, and we've been to kind of every community you can do. So we've been to a lot of indigenous communities in Northern Saskatchewan. We've been to indigenous communities and smaller communities on Vancouver Island. We've been to rural communities. We've been to Hutterite schools. We've been to everywhere. And it's so funny how kids doesn't matter where, doesn't matter when, they're the same. They want the same thing. They want to have fun. They want to interact. And so you'll go into the school and you'll laugh because they're kind of more hesitant or they're a little bit more like standoffish. The moment you start playing the game, they're talking, they're having a good time, they're excited. And you see them interacting with one another in a way that they probably haven't always done. And it's because you're pushing the play piece you're not pushing them into like let's say basketball which is okay some of these kids grew up playing basketball so they're more comfortable with it some kids aren't if you put that play piece they're all on the same kind of on the same level and they're all going to kind of increase at the same rate but different games will cause different kids to grow a little bit quicker 
Did you find in those different communities that, that you learned some of their um, their games that, that you hadn't heard of? Or, you know, because I've heard that the, in the far north, a lot more of those games are more cooperation based games. And, and, you know, down here in the big city, we're more competitive type games. I don't know if that is actually true when you're out doing field work. Absolutely. You find it in different communities. You find different games or different names for games is a big thing. You'll be playing the same game and they'll be like, oh, it's called this. You'll be like, yeah, that, that could be it too and stuff. But one thing we find with every school, there is one major activity or major sport at every school. So some kids, tetherball, that's their thing. They love tetherball. Some kids four square, some kids football, some kids basketball. But you find at every school, there's just that one game that kind of is taken over the playground. So if you've never, if you don't like that game or if you're not necessarily good at it, you don't want to play it. So you're kind of like, I'm just going to go stand off to the side and watch. So that's why mixing up the games, which is what we take pride in, making sure not every game is played every day. That's how these kids can like, entice more kids to take part in it and be more active. Yeah. So it's not just the king of four square. That was my school, four square. And, there, and you're right. It was the same four people playing four square every recess and the rest of us, I was the, the sit at the side. And I, I, I would think it would be worse now because a lot of these kids actually come to school with devices. So it's very easy just to default to jumping on Instagram or whatever. Do you, uh, do you see technology permeating into the re- recess playground or are schools trying to uh, participate with policy and squashing that uh, technology's taken over everywhere and that's why kids have kind of lost that creativity piece or the piece to like think on their own when they're put into like into a field be like i don't know any games i don't know any activities to do so you see it yeah creeping into the playground and one of the programs we have is it's called activate so activate is a box program that we developed over COVID and it contains both equipment and two months worth of program. And so every day there's a new activity. We have a chart and the kids get to choose which five games are played that day or that week. And the kids know, okay, we got disc golf this day. We got disc shoes this day and like kickball. And so every day there's a different game, but the thing that we have done with this, it's we've kind of gone backwards. Whereas we're like, there's no technology needed. Everything is there, all instructions. So the kids don't have to go online to be like, what, how do you play this game? Everything's there, everything instructed. And the idea is to put down your devices and get out there and be active. And the equipment isn't anything fancy. It's like dodgeballs that we had and Frisbees, jump ropes, all that type of thing. But it's that whole piece where it's just Let's take it back. Let's get them off their devices, get them comfortable with it. And that's going to allow them to create those more social interactions, which I think there was a study done a couple of years ago in the U.S. And they were talking about the major corporations. And they said 50% of major corporations are stating when kids are leaving high school, they lack the soft skills needed to succeed. And that's communication. Yes, they're smart. Yes, they know how to do math equation, science, all that. STEM is huge. STEM is so important. I guess it's STEAM now. It's important, but like we need them to interact. You need to be social. Now that we're returning back to the office more and more, that's so important to have that whole team cohesion and teamwork piece. And that's what you can teach at a younger age, that whole get off your devices, get working with each other. And that's going to help. 
Yeah, I, I think you're right. There's when they were, are looking into the future. I know you're at that 2067 conference too, and uh, that artificial intelligence is going to replace a lot of these jobs, but not the human part, not the creativity, not the collaboration. Those pieces are still uniquely to us, and if we need to learn how to get along with one another, because that's our the one unique thing we can do that computers can't. So we better be teaching our kids that. Yeah. And it's like, I'm so glad I wish I had the computer skills. Some of these kids have, it'd be an incredible like addition to the skill set, but they don't. Yeah. You see. And one thing that we found too, is we are having a lot of newcomers come to Canada and it's amazing. And it, I like, I love them seeing welcome, but like the stats are kind of staggering. What was it? The one stat I saw is that 35% of new Canadians state that they've been bullied. So one in three have been bullied. We're welcoming here, but we're not welcoming them here. And so sometimes when these kids come to school, it was actually a few schools in Edmonton we did a couple years ago, is these kids didn't speak any English. And they were like kind of, they were new to the school within a couple of weeks and they never interacted with the kids. And then we started playing. And these kids, when they started playing with one another, they were laughing, they were having fun. They didn't have to speak the same language, but they were like connecting. They were making friendships and the teachers were just floored by this. They're like, I've never seen these kids even like, they kind of would like stay to themselves and both like, they just wouldn't interact, but now they're having fun. They're high-fiving all that type of stuff. And that's what play can do too, is it can cross that language barrier. It's plays everywhere. doesn't matter where you grew up you're going to play. So let's get these kids playing together. And that's going to help in a lot of ways. That That's, that's amazing. Any, anything else that you w- were surprised to discover as you were creating this program and going out to the schools? Did you have any n- new learnings that you weren't expecting? Yeah. So a couple things, uh, right when we were starting, it's amazing how if you give kids a task or give them some power, they're going to do good with it. A majority of the time, like we need to allow them to have some sort of responsibility there and be like, you know, I trust you with this. Can you make it happen? And a lot of times in schools, and it's because these kids tend to do it right all the time. We give that task to only the top kids in the class. Give it to other kids too. let other kids have that chance to be like, hey, hey, Timmy, I, I, I know you can do this. Can you help me out with this? Instruct this. And like, once they're given that task, they can flourish. And we know that just because a kid's not outspoken, they can still be a leader as well. And finally, one of the biggest things I've seen with schools, and it just kind of floors me, is we, I thought we had a pretty good formula before. Like when I grew up, 15 minute recess, back to school. We're trying to change the recess structure. We're trying to change things. Like I've seen some schools do 15 minutes right when the kids get to school. And then they have two and a half hours worth of class. And it's the teacher's discretion to choose if they give them a break or not. But like, there's no like, this is when the break is. And like, there's good with mixing kids with other classes. Like we shouldn't just keep them in that one class. Like I know in elementary school, I had friends in my class. I had friends in another class and another class. Like I wouldn't want to just go with the one class all the time. And we keep trying to reinvent the wheel. And I don't know why that is. It doesn't make sense to me because it seems like we had a pretty good formula before you eat your snack and then you go play and that type of thing. But now we're just, we're trying to add a lot of things. We're trying to change things up. 
I just wish we would go back to what it was with that 15 minute break, half an hour break after lunch, let these kids play. I'm not a teacher though. And I know there is a ton of stress on teachers. And like, I feel, especially over the past couple of years, they've been phenomenal. They've been such game changers in these kids' lives. And I, I have such admiration for them. And I don't necessarily know if it's them or the administration who's doing it, but like, just let, let's 15 minute breaks. That's good. Like we don't need to change up the times, let kids interact with other grades. Yeah. And if anything, I don't eliminate the recess. If anything, I, I just remember trying to get snow pants on. By the time I got my snow pants and boots on, there was only two minutes left to recess to get back inside. You know, in Canada, maybe we need a 25 minute recess in the winter just yeah, to accommodate so how long it takes to get all your gear on. Oh my goodness. You need a 10 minute runway. You need, yeah. okay, 10 minute warning. We're going to go for recess in yeah. 10 minutes. Get your snow pants on. That's so true too. <laughs> watching those little kids put their snow pants on and stuff like that. Like that in itself is a whole task. So I understand teachers. <laughs> You know, maybe we need some uh, some leadership around uh, having the grade sixes help the grade fours get their snow pants on for recess. <laughs> we, we I love that. Have I love that structure. We're putting that in the book. I like it. <laughs> yeah, tell people about uh, your your website and you know uh, where they can find you. How how it, how someone listening to this podcast could petition their PTA to have your program picked up at their school or or whatever kind of good next steps would be for you. Absolutely. So our website is recessguardians.org and we have a few different options. One is our in-school program. Right now we've kind of scaled that back a little bit just with COVID and we have kind of volunteers placed around Canada, but we're just trying to revamp that. But we also have a virtual program. And the nice thing was with the virtual program, you can sign up for free. Your school can sign up for free. And we have a piece for teachers, we have a piece for the kids in class, and then we have a piece for parents or guardians to take home as well. It's free. You just go online, you sign up, and then you can kind of get all the stuff there. One of the things we take pride with in this whole virtual program is we don't want the kids sitting in front of a screen. Again, we're trying to get them off the technology. So we only have a very short video for them that goes basically touches on leadership or inclusion or communication. And then it tells them a game and then they go out and play with their class. So we really want them to be maybe step away from it, step away from that device and get out and play. The parent and guardian portion gives them the parent or guardian to, uh, ideas on how to communicate with their kids about the certain subject matter. So inclusion, communication, how they can like help their kid grow at home. And then the teacher portion, obviously, is just about how to run the program, how to get things going. We also have ongoing monthly modules as well. So every month there's a new theme, new game idea, new challenge. So it kind of continues to get those kids learning as well. And then finally, we do have Activate. So Activate is that box program for the schools. We do stuff during the summer as well. But right now we are focusing for the new school year and it, you're able to get it for the school. We are still trying to revamp that as well. So stay tuned for that on our website. And you can sign up for more information on our website as well. That's amazing. So I will, uh, for the uh, folks listening, I will make sure that all the links Instagram handles are all in there so people can like jump on and, and click through and, and get through to you. And um, I'm so happy that you are in this world, getting play, keeping play alive, getting kids off those devices and getting them connecting, getting those soft skills out to our kids at a young age. Um, what a, what a meritous project. Thank you so much. Awesome. Thanks so much for having me. 
As you know, it takes a village to make a podcast, so thanks to my team, including Max Cotter, my editor and technician, as well as the crew at H2O Digital. This podcast was recorded in Toronto, Canada. We acknowledge the land we are meeting on is the traditional territory of many nations, including the Mississaugas of the Credit, the Anishinaabek, the Chippewa, the Haudenosaunee, and the Wendat people, and is now home to many diverse First Nations, Inuit and Métis. We also acknowledge that Toronto is covered by Treaty 13 with the Mississaugas of the Credit. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.